You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. As Kevin said so well, thank you for spanking the living daylights out of me. I needed it much more than my brother. Uh, she didn't chase me around the house. She, she uh, basically said, if you don't come here, your father will take care of you when, you, when he gets home. So I responded. And um, thank you to my wife, baby, you're amazing. And uh, to all the moms, husbands, can we just tell them thank you. Thank you, you guys are amazing. We love you. Literally, if, uh, if you weren't here, neither would we. Uh, thank you for us. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, one more thing to say. Next week, we have an anniversary service. It's our seven-year anniversary service of pastoring here. Uh, we, we've made it. Praise God. Uh, we, we, we want to encourage every one of you to come out. It's going to be a party next week. There's some special things happening. Not only we're going to have a red leaf food truck, taco food truck. Uh, we're going to have some amazing moments during our service that will be a little different, but trust me, you will want to be here and don't forget uh, second service. If you come to second service, normally, or if you're watching, it's 1130. So we're going to change our service times next week, next week to nine and 1130. How many people are excited to come next week and celebrate? Come on, it's going to be awesome. All right, this morning, grab your Bibles and turn them to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I was reading this week the story of Hannah, uh, just actually during my normal time of being with the Lord, and the Lord stopped me and spoke to me specifically about this. It just so happens that this is one of the best mothers in all of Scripture that we're going to read about today on Mother's Day. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're probably going to read almost the whole chapter. So for some of you, this may be more Bible than you've read all year. You're welcome. Um, but just follow along, read it up on the screen. It says this, there was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tofu, and the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. I feel like I just read Elfish from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't even know what those, Tofu. It's not Tohu, it's Tofu. He had two wives, God bless him, and he was, one was called Hannah, and the other Panini. No, <laughs> I tell you, God, why did you name people like this back in the day? <laughs> uh, now I can't stop thinking Panini. How do you say it? Help me. Thank you, Benaniah. Yep. And that lady had children, but Hannah did not. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. Or, Lord. Stop it. Stop it. Stop laughing. I can't, I can't stop. All right, they went up and worshiped at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, got those two right, where the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah, oh my gosh, this is not starting out well. Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Panini, and to all of her sons and daughters. <laughs> oh, praise God. Uh... <laughs> I got it. I got it. It's coming. <laughs> but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. 
boy, did he love her. <laughs> and the Lord had closed her womb. I got it. I got it. Because the Lord had closed the womb. Guys, got to talk louder. This went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house, and in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not her. Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled and I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was merely pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman, but I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli, Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went on her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. And early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord. And they went back to their home. And Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, God, or because I asked the Lord for him, I made it through. Praise God. As I was reading the story, as I got done with it, the Lord stopped me and he said, Aaron, where was the turning point in this story? And I very obviously responded, well, it must have been when she was in the house of the Lord praying out and crying out and when you heard her. And he said, no, that was not the turning point. Read it again. And I went back and I was like, it must be when she was provoked by her rival. Surely that was the turning point in this story. And he said, no, that wasn't it either. Go back and reread it again. And as I was reading, he stopped me in verse 9. And it says, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. And he spoke to me and he said, Aaron, this was the turning point in that story. Something happened while she was eating. Something transpired while she was eating and looking around the dinner table where the pain and the anguish of what she had experienced she forgot and she chose to remember who God was and she stood up with faith and authority from the table to say, I will not stay here any longer. And she went to the house of the Lord. He said, it wasn't the fact that she was there. She went there with faith and it was something that transpired while she was eating. And Hannah had been barren, could not have any children. She wasn't able to get pregnant. And she probably for many years had thought this was just going to be the rest of my life. She, she was probably sitting there while she was eating. And she began to look around. She was probably eating Chick-fil-A because it's the Lord's chicken. However, she was in Woodland, it would have been Popeye's. It's a good substitute. 
as she was eating, she was probably looking around. She was looking at her husband and the kids that were there. She's probably thinking about the other women that she has seen out in town and, be, and was thinking, you know, my life isn't that bad. My husband loves me. I'm fine just the way that I am. I don't, I don't need that. And she began to accept her life the way it was. But then something came into her head and she began to remember probably the stories that she had heard about what God had done for the Israelites, how he had taken them out of Egypt, how they had come up to the Red Sea and he had parted the Red Sea, how they came through on dry ground. And then when they were led by a pillar of fire and a cloud by, by day, and then when they got to Jericho and Jericho had this great wall around it and they walked around the wall for seven days and then the wall came tumbling down and she probably thought to herself possibly that the same God who did that can do it for me and I can imagine as she continued to eat she probably reflected upon the years of praying and never seeing an answer probably like many of us she began to think about all the times where she prayed year after year and never saw anything change why isn't God doing this? Does God even care? Is he able? Does he even want to? Is he even listening to me? But something began to change in her heart. It wasn't by accident that this verse was in this chapter. And the Lord continued to have me read it again and again and again. And he said, Aaron, something began to stir in her heart as she sat at that table. She was looking around as she was negotiating even just with her thoughts of what God was able to do as she was reflecting upon what God had done and the stories that she'd been told something began to stir in her heart and quickened her where she could not stay at that table any longer but she must go to the house of the Lord to pray something faith began to build in her spirit to where she had to push herself away and stand up from the table and the Lord began to speak to me and he began to say Aaron there are people in your church who have been stuck at the table of doubt, the table of shame, the table of fear, the table of inconvenience, the table of uncertainty, of unmet expectations. And the Lord wants to tell you today, first and foremost, that he listens to you, that he hears you, that there's some of you who've been praying for years and years and years to see an answer. And this morning, I may be only speaking to 10 of you in the room, and that's worth it for me because the Lord wants to tell you that he's listening. He hasn't gone deaf to you. He hasn't left you. He is faithful and he is with you. And some of you, you're tired. Some of you are exhausted. Some of you are wondering, why have my children not come back to the Lord? Why is my marriage still the same way? Why is my body not healed? Why am I still in pain? Why do my finances still look the same way? Why do I still struggle with the same mental issues year after year after year? And the Lord wants to tell you today that he hears you and he is present and he is with you. And I believe that as I'm speaking to you today, that something is going to begin to stir in your heart. Faith is going to begin to arise in your spirit and you're going to begin to stand up from the table that you've been feasting on of doubt and of shame and of, of uncertainty and of fear and you're going to stand up and something like faith and trust is going to begin to arise in you and hope is going to spur you on to move forward. A couple of years ago, we, I, I spoke a series on moving forward. I don't know if any of you remember it. Great. It was powerful. It's the best one ever. 
And I talked about how the Lord was speaking to Moses as he's standing at the Red Sea. The Israelites wants to retreat. Moses says, everybody stand still, but yet the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, move forward into the Red Sea. And it's as he moved forward into the Red Sea that the waters parted. Jesus is speaking to the lepers and he looks at the lepers and he says, as you go, you will be healed. There's something about the activity of moving forward, the faith of stepping forward that releases breakthrough, that releases healing. And I believe that today that many of us are feasting upon what the world gives us, feasting upon doubt, feasting upon hopelessness, and it's time that we begin to feast upon the Lord. The Bible says that he is the bread of life, and when you eat of him, you will never be hungry again. You will never be thirsty again. But it's time we leave the tables that we've been sitting at. Something happened to Hannah as her heart was stirred. And I believe that today, that as I begin to talk about these different tables, your heart is going to begin to be stirred and you're going to stand up and arise and shine and leave behind the things that you've been feasting on. So the first table that I want to talk about today is the table of doubt. Everybody say this. Say it's time to leave. Come on, everybody say it. It's time to leave the table of doubt. As we read in the story, Elkanah, her husband, is telling Hannah, he's saying to her, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you? And these are some of the thought processes that many of you have had. Is my life not good enough just the way it is? Why do I need to keep believing that things could get better? And people around you are beginning to question you. Why do you keep asking for change? Why do you keep asking for things to improve? Can't you just be satisfied with the way that things are? Can't you just be happy with the way our marriage is? Why do you want it to get better? Can't you just be happy with the way your children? Can't you just be happy with your life? And we begin to settle and get satisfied with just okay. I was speaking with somebody recently and they were telling me about their struggle with an addiction. And as they're telling me, they're like, Aaron, I've prayed for years and years. I've come forward for altar calls. I've had people pray over me. And guess what? I'm still in the same addiction. And I'm beginning to believe that this is just how my life is always going to be. And I've just begun to accept that I'm just always going to struggle with this. This is the way that many of us think on a regular basis. Your marriage can be powerful. Your marriage can be strong have great communication it can be amazing your children can know the lord your finances can be strong your mental state can be healthy that i know it's been good but it can be better and what we do is begin to settle and we begin to lower our expectations because we're not seeing a change And for some of you, people are reminding you day after day, can't you just accept the way that things are? Why do you have to keep asking for things to improve? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Everybody say unswervingly. I didn't even know that was a word. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Now, it was, I heard a story years ago about there was a, during the gold rush and during the Oregon Trail when there were people, I don't even know if those happened around the same time, but just go with me. When people were going from the East Coast to the West Coast, 
there was a family who had moved over here and had sent a letter to their family over on the East Coast and said, you need to come, we have land for you. And the people on the East Coast packed up all of their family, put it in a big cart, packed up all their kids, put their oxen in front of the car and began to trek across the country. Now, if you're going by plane is fast, but on a wagon, it takes a long, long time to get across this country. And as they went, there was sickness, there was peril, there was challenges, and they would come to multiple towns along the way. And each time they came to a town, they would hesitate because it looked like this was, could be a great situation for them. And they begin to question, is it worth going on to the end or should I just stay in the town that I've just passed by? And every time they came to a town, they had to remake the decision, we will go all the way to the finish line. We will go to the promise that is waiting for us. And every town that they came to, doubt and uncertainty met them, but they had to choose to not swerve off the road, but stay the course till they got to the West Coast. And for you and for me, we are driving on life and we are met with multiple opportunities to swerve off the road. We get to the point where we say, maybe God's not even listening to us. Maybe God's not even gonna do it. Maybe God isn't able Maybe God did this to me. And we can stop and we can build camp in those different towns and never make it to the fulfillment of the promise. So when it says we will not swerve off and keep the hope that we have, that means all those different perspectives that we can, uh, we can grab onto, we choose to say that's not who my God is, I will eat the word of the Lord. I choose not to sit at the table of doubt, I choose to eat of who Jesus is. So I will hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, let uh, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised, the promises of God are yes and amen. This morning, I believe that there are many of you who have let things die in your heart. Hopes, dreams, and beliefs that you've let die because you didn't see them come to fruition. Just like Hannah sitting at that table, reminding herself again and again, it hasn't happened yet. It will never happen again. Nothing is going to change. And the dream died. And then the breath of the Lord came and breathed faith into her heart. And something awakened inside of her. And I believe that this morning that the Lord is going to breathe fresh life into many of your dreams. To many of the desires of your heart. Some of you have children who have ran from the Lord. Some of you mothers have been praying for years over your children who have ran from the Lord. And I believe the Lord is going to begin to give you fresh faith to begin to believe that they will come back to the Lord. I believe that some of you have let things go for your marriage. You've let things go for your life. You've lost hope. You've lost purpose. And the Lord is bringing a fresh breath of life back into you. He's going to rebuild dreams in your heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 2 Timothy 2, 13 says, If he is faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself he is faith he is faithful his promises will come because he cannot do anything else except fulfill his promises amen so the first table is to rise from the table of doubt the second table is it's time to stand from the table of tolerance and compromise I feel like the lord specifically spoke to me four different tables second one is the table of tolerance and the table of compromise. 
We live in a world that wants to be very, very loud and try to convince you that the truth that you believe is intolerant, is not nice, is not correct, and to try to twist what the Bible says to make a wider road so that whoever does whatever they want can come into the kingdom of God. In scripture, there's a story about three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they erected a giant altar, and everyone was to bow down and worship the altar. Everyone who believed was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed all bowed down to that altar. They had to make a decision. Would I bow down or would I stay standing? Would I conform to the patterns of the world or would I resist and stay standing in my conviction? And every single one of us every day is given the the opportunity by the world. The music begins to play. The idol is put back up. Everyone else is bowing down. And the church decides, you decide, will you bow down and conform? Or will you stand up and say, no, I will stand on truth in the word of God. That I am, my, my, my perspective, truth is not implicated by popular opinion. The word of God is not dictated based upon what is convenient for you or what you listen or read about in social media. But the truth of God never changes. So whether it is about abortion, whether it is about homosexuality, whether it is about gender change, whatever it may be, I will stand on truth whether or not it is popular. Yesterday we're driving up to Seattle And we're listening to a podcast with our kids. And in this podcast is talking about children changing their gender. Brought up a great conversation with our kids where we talk about this is how you are made in the image of God. You cannot change who God made you to be. We will have those conversations. I will not be intimidated to talk about homosexuality with my children or with our church. I will not be intimidated to stand against abortion. I will not be intimidated to stand against what the world says makes people feel uncomfortable. We, we actually must remove ourselves from the table of tolerance. Tolerance is not biblical. Tolerance is not biblical. Tolerance actually creates room for your own compromise. Because when you tolerate somebody else's sin, you tolerate your own sin. And we are called to be a holy and set apart people for God. In Isaiah, it says in the last days, they will call evil good and good evil. I will call evil, evil, and good, good. And I will not create a gray area where I reside in because it's convenient. The Bible says to be in the world, but not of the world. So maybe you're listening to this and be like, I'm just going to hide at the table. No, it says be in the world, but not of it. You are not meant to run from it. See, oftentimes a lot of people at the table of tolerance, what we do is we cast judgment on everybody else. And we look at unrighteous people and hold them to a righteous standard. We cannot expect people who don't know Jesus to live like him. And we judge them and we criticize them and we throw stones at them to say, how dare you and I hate you and I don't want to be around you, but they don't know him. So why would they act like they do? We are to hold righteous people to righteous standards and to go to the lost to love upon them. Let me show you. The standard that we are to hold in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. 
It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And everybody in this room just buried the big sigh of relief. Praise God. I don't have to deal with anybody who is sexually immoral. But let's read on. Not at all, meaning the people of this world who are immoral. Or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. You're like, I don't want to hang out with all them because I might become like them. He's like, if you don't want to hang out with them, then you got to leave the world. He said, but now I'm writing to you to tell you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slander, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with them. So he says, those people who don't know the Lord, those are the ones you're supposed to associate with. The ones who profess to know God but deny him by their lifestyle, he says, those are the ones you stand up to and say, not in my house. And you confront and you challenge. And you do it in love. Because while you're throwing a stone at them, you've got a giant plank in your own eye. Isaiah 60, one through two says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. It's time to arise from the table of tolerance and stand up in strength and confidence, not because I need people to agree with me, but because I agree with the word of God. Your agreement does not change what I believe because I agree with him. I don't agree with you. I agree with him. Do you see the difference? At the table, we must all agree with each other. But when I rise from the table, I agree with him. The third table that we need to stand up from is a table of hopelessness and disappointment. Hopelessness and disappointment. One of my great stories of my mom is when I was getting ready to date my wife. She was gone in California for a couple of months at a school and distance makes the heart grow fonder. And so I went to my mom, I said, to both my parents, I said, mom and dad, I wanna, when Tash comes back, I wanna, I wanna date her. My dad's just like, sounds good, son. This is awesome, I'm so excited. And my mom's like, hold up. I'm gonna go pray. I'm like, what? She's like, I'm going to go pray and ask the Lord what you should do. So she goes upstairs into her bedroom and begins to intercede and ask the Holy Spirit whether I should date Tash. I got nothing to do. So I go into their TV room and I begin to watch a movie, Sweating Bullets. It was the longest movie I've ever seen in my life. It felt like an eternity. And then my mom comes down after a couple of hours. I don't remember how long. It could have been only 20 minutes, but it felt like three days. She comes back and she says, Aaron, I've prayed about it. And the Lord said, you are to date Tasha. Praise God. But that two hours felt like an eternity. And I'm making light of it. But for some of you, you've literally been waiting for an eternity for the Lord to answer your prayer. You have been waiting for a long, long time for the Lord to answer the prayers that you've been praying. In Galatians 9, or 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, 
If we do not give up, I want to speak to some of you who have been praying for a long time for one or two or three or however many things you've been praying for. What do you do while you wait? Because often while we're waiting, what we end up doing is we begin to go feast on hopelessness and despair. We begin to think because it hasn't happened yet, that must mean it's not going to happen. So what do we do while we wait? And for so many believers, when we don't see an answer in our time, we begin to sit at the table of hopelessness, wondering, is God even listening to me? Does God even want to do this? Is God even able to do this? Is this just something that God is trying to, to hurt me and be angry at me with? Is he, is he angry at me? Is this ever going to change? And we go through the mental hurdles again and again and again. What do you do while you wait? If you're waiting for something, if you're waiting for the Lord to answer something for you, to do, for you, this is what you do. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. What you do while you wait is not really important. It's what you, can, what you view the waiting as. Your waiting is not a season of waiting for the answer. Your waiting is a season of going deeper. So I'm not here waiting and and incapable of moving forward until he answers my prayer. I'm here waiting and saying, God, this is a season where you are strengthening me. They that wait, renew their strength. You thought the waiting was so that that something could like build up. You thought the waiting was so that everybody around you could change, but the waiting is actually for you so you can change. The waiting is for your benefit because if all of us got everything we wanted right when we asked for it, we wouldn't know what to do with it. The waiting prepares you to receive what he wants to do. What do you do in the waiting? What do you do while you're waiting for your marriage to get better? What do you do while you're waiting for the healing to come? What do you do while you're waiting for freedom and breakthrough and the addiction to fall off? What do you do while you're waiting? You go deeper into the Lord. You get stronger to be prepared for what's coming next. They that wait get stronger. It's not they that wait grow impatient. They that wait get stronger. How do you view the waiting? Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those that wait, what do you do while you're waiting? Get filled every day by the Holy Spirit so that all joy and all peace may abound in you. I don't know who you are this morning, but there's some of you here who you've been waiting for an answer. And oftentimes we preach messages here about the fire of God, about transformation, about saying yes and and all these things. But the Lord just spoke to me this week and said, Aaron, there's people there who are just tired and weary. And he wants to come give you faith and hope this morning. What do you do while you wait? You go deeper in him. The fourth table. And this table, I've I've been crying over this table. It's time to stand up from the table of shame. In verse 6 of Samuel, it says, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. The Lord spoke to me this week and said, There's people here who you have been getting made fun of. 
you have been getting provoked and irritated by people around you questioning why do you continue to believe? Why do you even go to church? Why do you even read your Bible? Why do you even spend time with the Lord? It means nothing. And you're trying to stand strong. You're trying to remain hopeful. You're trying not to lose, to lose belief and faith in God. And you're getting provoked year after year after year. And you have found yourself being swallowed up by shame, by unbelief, by doubt. And just as Hannah, she had been hearing it all the time. Every time she went to the house, I believe specifically that many of you women in this house have been hearing it from husbands. Why do you keep believing that? Can't you just let it go? Can't you just quit? Can't you just be, accept the way that things are? And I believe that the Lord today wants to give you faith to believe. He wants to come alongside of you and say, I've been there and I'll be with you. And he's going to become your shield and your protector. The Holy Spirit is going to become your comforter. Specifically, there's women, there's people who are married, there's wives and your husbands have been built or tearing you down as you've been saying yes to the Lord. And today I want to I want to pray that something would begin to be stirred in your heart again to keep moving forward. In Matthew 5 verse 10, it says, "Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Those of you who are getting persecuted, those of you who are getting irritated and provoked, the Lord wants to bless you today with the kingdom of heaven. He blessed you today with hope, peace, life, confidence, and assurance. This morning, as I've talked about these four different tables, I believe that there's many of you who can identify with a couple of these different tables. There's some of you who've been filled with doubt. There's some of you who've been waiting for years for an answer, and you haven't seen it. And you're wondering, will God ever come through? Is God even listening? Does he even care? There's some of you who have been sitting at the table of tolerance and you've been too scared to stand up for what is right. And you've allowed fear of popular opinion, fear of what other people might say to prevent you from standing on truth. There's some of you here who you've been mocked and ridiculed for giving your life to the Lord and you're feeling tired and weary. And today I want to pray with you, but first of all, you must stand from the table that you've been sitting at. You must stand up and say, I'm not going to eat of this any longer. I need to eat of the Lord and I need to eat of faith. And if that's you, if you're sitting at one of those tables today and you're saying, I'm tired of sitting at one of these tables. I need to stand up and arise. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Anybody else? If you are here today and you have been, have been ridiculed, that fourth table, you have been provoked as Hannah was because of what you believe, because of the faith that's in your heart, I just want you to raise your hand so I know who you are. Well, if you raise your hand and you're not standing, I want you to ask you to stand. And I just want you to come forward. And we all, I want to pray over you. We're, we're going to have our prayer ministry team come up if you're standing. Come forward. 
we're going to pray over you and we're going to stand with you today. I believe, come up, come on, if you're standing, come up. See, there's some of you who are listening to me talk and you're like, I don't even understand why this is important. Why is he sharing this? I didn't either. I felt like the Lord specifically said there's a lot of people who have been feasting at these tables, specifically the table of hopelessness and doubt, and you don't have the strength to move on. Before we pray over you, there's a progression that occurs. So prayer ministry team, don't pray yet. Just let them listen. When Hannah arose from the table, she then had to go to the house of the Lord to pray. When she went to go pray, the priest was confused and misinterpreted her heart. She was misunderstood by those people in the church. So even the faith that you get in this moment may not be understood by those who you live with, by those who you worship next to, because they don't have the same faith that you have. But as she stood up, she went to the house of the Lord and she began to intercede and to pray. And I believe that she would still be there today until she got her answer. That there was something that stirred in her heart that said, I will not relent until I see it come. And I believe that the Lord wants to deposit into you today a faith and a resolve, a conviction and a steadfastness that will say, I will not relent until I see the breakthrough. So all of you who came forward, I just want you to close your eyes. I just want you to put your hands out just to receive. Just put your hands out. If we can have people come and pray. The rest of you, if you would stand with me. Jesus, I ask right now for the great comforter. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. Come, come, come. Come and breathe assurance come and breathe security every label i just see the lord removing labels you're a failure you're not good enough the lord doesn't care about you he's removing labels from you things that you believed you'll never become this that prayer will never get answered there's no reason to continue to pray i believe the lord is removing those labels from you and he's depositing inside of you an assurance of your identity and who you are you are a child a daughter a son of god you have access and have been have been told come boldly before the throne of grace and today ask with boldness ask with boldness begin to thank the lord i want you now to begin to pray again for some of you you've stopped even praying for what you need you've stopped even believing and praying for i want you to begin to open your mouth and begin to pray for the dream that's died, for the healing that you've been waiting for, for the change in your marriage you've been waiting for. Begin to pray and ask for God to come and do what only He can do. Fear go in Jesus' name. Fear go, doubt and shame go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. If you're standing, we're going to begin to worship and we're going to begin to declare victory in the name of Jesus. For some of you, you've gotten your victory. But would you stand with those who have come forward today to begin to declare that my victory, that our victory is here, that faith would arise in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing this.
first verse. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Let's declare that this morning. does not know the Lord I want you to raise your hand and wave at me if your spouse is here and you're waving at me that's fine too wave at me 
Anybody else? If your spouse does not know the Lord. And I want to be clear. They may believe that there is a God, but even the demons and the devil believe, in the, they believe that there is a God and it means nothing to them. Do they know him? So, over here, over here. Anybody else? Your spouse over here? Great. Keep your hand up. If we can have some ladies. I need some ladies to come right here, back here. We're going to stand with you back here in the corner. Your spouse does not know the Lord. Here? Come on. Ladies, we need some people to come over here and pray. I believe the Lord is going to begin to comfort you and strengthen you. That last table of shame, of ridicule and persecution, been feasting at that table for far too long and I believe that the Lord is going to begin to fill you with faith and a resolve faith and a resolve father I pray right now over each one of these women Lord that you would come if you're watching and that's you I just want you to begin to receive this right now that each one of these ladies would be met with a faith and a resolve faith and a resolve in the name of Jesus you are not alone you are not forgotten the Lord is standing with you he hears you in the name of Jesus, we speak to their husbands. Come alive in the name of Jesus. 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 Know who you are. Know that you are loved. Father, at their home right now, wherever their husbands are, that they would feel a shift in their spirit. They would feel your presence in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Continue just to pray over them. If you're here and you've been praying for an answer for a long time, I, I want to pray specifically over you. I know you've been praying already and you've been receiving prayer. But I want to pray for phase two. Phase two is now that you would begin to contend. Now that you would contend. You stood up and you said, God, I need faith. Now you contend. Now you intercede. Now you, you, you run and you will not give up. Now you do not swerve. You do not lose hope. But you're like Hannah. You begin to be misunderstood because the resolve inside of you will not be understood by those who do not feel the same passion as you. So that's you. And you're saying, I... I've been waiting a long time and I'm still not seeing it and I've lost hope. I want to pray for that's you. I just want you to close your eyes and put your hands up. Holy Spirit, I ask for resolve that they would begin to tarry in prayer. That they would not lose hope. But God, they would find themselves waking up in the middle of the night. They would stay up late. They would begin to intercede and pray and not grow weary. But they would be steadfast. There would be perseverance in the name of Jesus. The Lord hears you. The Lord hears you. The Lord hears you. And He is with you and He is fighting on your behalf. You are not alone. You are not alone. I speak to your spirit for just a moment. You are not alone and you are heard. And the prayers that you pray are praying 
are not going upon deaf ears, but the Lord hears you and is listening and is fighting on your behalf. You are not alone. Let hope arise. Let them be like Hannah, that they would find themselves interceding in prayer. Everybody in this church, I just want you to lift your hands for a moment. Father, I pray that you would make us a people who would not give up and shut out and not grow weary, but we would continue to be people of prayer and intercession for revival in this land. Father, I pray that you'd raise up a church of people like Hannah who would tarry in prayer until we see an outpouring of the Spirit of God. God, make us into people with the resolve and a conviction where we will not give up and grow weary, but God, we will contend, we will pray, and God, we take a moment to pray over this region, over this city. Come alive in Jesus' name. Come alive in Jesus' name. Dead bones, dry bones, come alive. Schools and neighborhoods, families, marriages, come alive in Jesus' name. Come alive in Jesus' name. Come alive in Jesus' name. Raise up a people of faith and perseverance. We will not stop. We will not quit. We will not swerve. But God, we keep our eyes fixated upon the prize. And we say, you are able. You are able. You are stronger. You are greater. We say yes and amen to every promise in the Word of God that your people will see your promises fulfilled. That we will see a nation and a city and a region come to know the Lord that we will see salvation, that this is the day of salvation, that this is the day of healing. We say yes and amen in Jesus' name. Yes and amen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, place a resolve in our hearts. Oh, let a fire burn. Something burned in her when she sat at that table. Let something burn in you. I tell you, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just on fire because I want to see a move of God come. And I run like a dog with a bone. I, you cannot get it from me. I got resolve. God, let a resolve be in us as a church that we will not stop until we see him move. We will not stop until we see a city come to know Jesus. We will not stop until we see our families know him. We will not stop until we see revival. God, I wanna, I wanna experience the stories I read about in scripture. I wanna see the shaking of buildings. I wanna begin to see the glory of God come where we cannot even continue with what we're doing because we've fallen on our faces in reverence to the Lord. God, come and move like we read about. God, come and place the resolve in our hearts that we will not stop until we see you move. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.